Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the show. This is Quinn, and today we're going to have a guest here on the show that can help you create a product that does not exist. So if you have something in your mind and you want to be, make it real, turn it into an actual product and start selling this product online, this is the person that can make that happen from the beginning all the way to your hand. So let's get into the interview and here we go. Directly from Austin, Texas, we have with us the president and the founder of Gimba, Zach Leonard. How's it going, Zach? It's going well. Thanks, Quinn, for having me on the show. No problem. No problem. It's my pleasure to have you here. So awesome. Why the name Gimba? That's a great question. Um, so it actually has dual meaning. Uh, in Chinese, the direct translation means Gamba, which is let's do this. And in Japanese, there's a dual meaning, or sorry, a meaning that translates the theory of Kaizen manufacturing, which is uh, the, the place where value is created. So we took those two meanings together and formed the company Gemba. Nice. Beautiful. Okay. So Gemba is, it's a supply chain service company, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So we, uh, high level, we, we really help businesses and individuals create and manufacture products. We have a team in the United States that's to you know, really focused on helping our customers and potential customers design products. So we have mm -hmm. engineers and designers that really bring their ideas to life. And then once those ideas are put on paper into you know made for manufacturing specs and renderings, we send it over to our team in China that helps facilitate all the the factory relationships, so sourcing, quality control, logistics over there. Uh, and then once we once the PO is placed, they facilitate. Uh, functional and design testing as well, as well as uh, compliance, you know, third-party testing, uh, everything to make sure that it's buttoned up and ready to get shipped into the country where it's being sold. That's very interesting. So, Zach, let's take it a step uh, back from here. And just so the, for the people that don't know who you are, kind of let us know who you are and how you got to, uh, to this stage today. Sure. Um, originally from Minneapolis and went to school at UT. So that's my tie to Austin. Uh, I went to do some consulting after that in Chicago for KPMG for a few years. And that's where I really learned to have my analytical in mind and to uh, become the chaos organizer. And after that, I went to work at a uh, company at that point, which was a startup called Instacart. Um, I was around employee number 40 or 50, somewhere in that range. When I left, there were over 300 people there, and I helped run and start the Texas markets, uh, growing them from zero to pretty sizable GMV per week, um, helped facilitate partnerships with Whole Foods and Costco and HEB. Um, you know, and that's where I learned more about the same-day logistics and you know, heavy operational uh, way of thinking. I applied that to another company called Dropoff in, in uh Austin that was focused on larger scale, you know, same day delivery. Um, so my, my mind has always been in numbers and operations. And, you know, when I started doing some research on this problem, which exists, which is a lack of transparency 
um, in the supply chain, I really saw this as, you know, a way to organize chaos and make it a linear path for our, for any customer to get from design to the end of production with being able to facilitate that entire transaction uh, and insert different, you know, different service providers along the way. So if you need help with design, we can stay up with a great design team. If you need help with sourcing, we have our resources overseas that can help you do that. And then once you get to the end, we, we pop in our logistics manager who can help book all the freight for you. So it's really just being able to organize the chaos that is manufacturing and being able to insert the best and highest quality provider uh, we have on our team throughout that process. Okay. So what was the main focus or the main reason behind starting Gimba? Yeah, I think it was just the lack of transparency that existed when we started this a couple of years ago um, that existed throughout the supply chain. Um, I mean, you can read books. There's a book out there called Poorly Made in China that kind of gives you the high level of what goes on over there. Um, but there's a lot of predatory behavior that goes on on Alibaba. There's a lot of predatory behavior that goes on with sourcing agents. There's not, they're not really transparent about their pricing. They're not transparent about the products they're using. And so we thought that there could be a better way. Um, and so with the genesis of Gembo was really to provide that transparency through a team. Uh, and it's expanded to more than just the team overseas. It's expanded to the team that can help you domestically through design and creating the process. So at the end of the day, we're helping entrepreneurs and businesses who are dreamers make their dreams a reality. And I think that's really what we strive to do is bring people together through you know, global commerce and enable them to fulfill their dreams. Okay. So uh, I see it now when you would talk about uh, the transparency, the lack of transparency is basically what we see overseas, right? When we're sourcing on our own, uh, the fact that the pricing is never what you think it's going to be and all that kind of stuff, right? Exactly. And Alibaba did a great job of basically cataloging some of the factories over there and providing, uh, you know, the buy and sell economy, which is I can create a, I can, I can buy a product that exists already from a mold that has already been created or a design that's already been created. But what they really don't do is allow someone to create their own product and get it bid out and sourced correctly, uh, in a very transparent manner. Um, you know, a lot of what they'll do is they'll try and put you put you into a bucket of a, of a product that they're already making and force you to buy that product. Well, that's where the team that we've created overseas can help you. It's more about taking your design and pushing the factory to create something that doesn't exist on the market already. And that's the game changer. And that's the, the difference maker in, in terms of the Amazon space that that's going on right now. But this, you know, the days of buying and selling on Amazon, just something that exists and slapping a label on it, is getting really competitive and it's almost it, it's really tough to continue to maintain and the best companies that are iterating on existing products and making them their own instead of just private labeling them are the ones that are succeeding and those are the customers that you know we've really grown with over the past couple of years yeah so th that's super interesting to me zach so uh, the normal thing we see is there's lots and lots of sourcing agencies that go out there and use the exact same tools that everybody else is using that, that we know who they, what tools they are and go and find the exact same products that everybody else is selling. The only difference is going to be, uh, that 
a different logo and sometimes some people go ahead and read the reviews and change a little thing on the product. Now, what you do is, besides that, I'm guessing that's part of it as well, but we can also create products that don't exist. So the ones that I have idea in my head, but I don't know how to create them, what's that process? What does that look like? Yeah, so we'll go through an iterative phase with our customers on something that's completely new with one of our designers and one of our engineers. We'll basically give you an iterative process through sketches, through 3D renderings. And then once you complete those renderings, you put them into a made-for-manufacturing spec with all the dimensional data through CAD, all the Pantone colors, all the material makeup, and give you a really solid uh, full design kit that you can go to a factory and start quoting out a, a completely new product. We try and make that process really easy and straightforward so that you have a way to create a product that is you know, transparent as well as efficient to get it through the market. Once you identify a trend, you need to act on that trend really fast. And it can take people years to create a product. And what we're really trying to do is help democratize that process to make it much more straightforward and much more efficient. Nice. So uh, just to be here a bit clear uh, for the audience, when you start talking about, uh, you know, uh, chats with engineers and getting design and CAD and 3D renderings, that sounds expensive, right? At this stage, while there, there's no product yet, right? I'm just uh, letting, talking with your engineers, what mm -hmm. my idea is, how, how does this work up to here when it's still the idea stage? Yeah, it, it, it's really, again, an iterative process where we can get something made for, you know, as little as 500 bucks in terms of uh, the sketch phase and the iterative process just to talk mm -hmm. to our team. We try and, again, make that as cost effective for our customers as possible because you're right. The traditional way would tell you that it's really expensive. But what we're trying to do is change the game here and show you that there's a better way and that you don't need to have necessarily all the finite details to have a conversation with a, a factory. Um, the factory, you know, the process is going to go through an editor phase once it goes to the factory themselves. And it's going to be a back and forth with design and engineer to try and come up with the final product. And so at the end of the day, if you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, that idea is still going to get changed when you get to the factory. So what we're trying to tell you is there's a better way and it's a mm -hmm. more efficient way. And do I get an idea up front uh, of what this project is going to cost me, let's say. Absolutely. Okay. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we take a, we take an estimate of, of time with our team and we are very transparent up front before we press go on the project. Perfect. And Zach, so let's say if I have an idea right now and I'm ready to pull the trigger, like from now to, to, I guess for it to be ready, what's an average time frame? From just the design perspective? Yes. Yeah, so that can take as little as one week and as long as one month. It just depends on this, you know, intricacy of the product. Um, we've had products that have turned around from a full design perspective in, you know, 15 to 20 hours of our time, which again is spread out between one or two days. Yeah. And so we can we can get that done really quickly. And then from there... I'm guessing most uh, most products are going to need molds and stuff that don't exist yet. This here is a bit more time consuming, correct? 
Absolutely. It just depends again on what the product is for like a soft good, for example, there's not really a mold that they want that the factory is going to want to create or make. Mm -hmm. They're just going to have to do a construction sample, which will pretty much determine the price on the stuff that does require mold. You're right. It's going to take a little bit more time. But again, what we try and do with our team overseas is really expedite that time for you. So if you're working on your own, you're kind of waiting on the factory consistently and just biding time. Whereas with us, there's a full communication that happens on a regular basis to give you updates via photos and videos of what's actually going on in your factory. And so we can keep them honest to a time schedule that makes sense for both you and for the factory. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that brings to, to mind another problem that I see happening, you know, uh, in, uh, in China mostly. It's the fact that uh, patents uh, are not really respected, right? So if I have, if uh, I, I don't know, I just thought of the fidget spinner and mm -hmm. I, I discover that I want to start that. Next thing I know, everybody's making these. Is mm -hmm. there a stronger way to kind of stop that from happening? Um, yeah, I think from our perspective, we have an entity that's set up over there so that all our contracts and NDAs are enforceable in China. So that's mm -hmm. for one. But if you don't have that resource to you, you're right. It's going to be really tough for you to enforce something like that overseas. Now you can do something domestically or you can start getting design patents and utility patents here. And we offer that you know, as part of our partnerships with some lawyers that we're connected to who are IP attorneys, they can help get that process for you done while you're, you know, while you're waiting for your molds and all that stuff to be completed. So once you have your final designs, that process for a design patent, for example, can take four to six months to, to finalize with you mm -hmm. know, the US government. But while you're, you know, that's something you can tackle while you're waiting for your, your sampling process to be done. So it kind of coincides nicely with a full production run. So the cool thing about that is by the time the factory has a chance to try and shop out this design, you've already patented it. You can't, you know, whatever country you're in, you're going to be the first to market as well as you're going to be the design patent holder for that. So no one can copycat you and sell it in that market. And then, yeah, cool. So then I just have to hope that it is a huge success. And I guess if somebody tries to copy it, that's proof that it is, right? Exactly. So how about... The process that we go when when private label and product those are still going to apply like uh, payment terms of thirty seventy and getting inspections done uh, all that still applies. Absolutely. So if you're you're talking about creating a product from scratch now, yes, are you talking yes. about yeah. So when you're creating a product from scratch, yeah, you're definitely going to still want to negotiate terms, and we can get terms that are better than 3070 just because we've been working with a lot of these factories for a long time. Um, and then the other part of it is uh, you mentioned compliance, which is a really important part of the process. You're going to always want to get uh, a CSPC or third party certified uh, testing facility. And we partner with a couple of them, you know, Intertech, Chima um, to be, you know, for a couple examples there. And they're going to do all the, you know, we, we help do the compliance with our product safety attorneys that we partner with. So we help understand what the compliance measures are to actually import it into the United States, for example. And so we'll, do, we'll perform all those testing through the third party. We'll give you the results back. That's part of the third party testing. Now, the part that is also really cool that we can do is the functional and design testing. And that's something that I don't 
you know, that we, we find very valuable um, to our customers and they do as well. And so what we do with them is we'll put together an inspection checklist, basically, that goes through, you know, your golden sample or your first your first run of production, take the actual product and then start taking photos and videos against this, uh, the spec to show if the, if it's matched from a design perspective, as well as a functionality perspective. So the difference between design and functionality design is you have a design sheet that shows the colors, the patterns, what material makeup is, that's the design. So we'll take a look and see if there's any blemishes on the design, if the logo is printed in the right place, if the color pantones are matching, we'll take photos of that to make sure that everything from a design perspective is on point. Functionality, I mean, if you think of like, again, a backpack, for example, you're going to want to make sure that the zippers zip correctly. You're going to want to make sure that the, that the straps tighten correctly. So we're going to take photos and videos of that actually happening. And so you're not only getting the compliance perspective from you know, what's regulated by the United States, you're actually getting full transparency into the production and getting that that functionality testing to show that you know if you were actually in the in the factory yourself this is what I'd want to test myself if I was there and so we're expediting that process and saving you a ton of money so you don't have to actually go over to the factory yourself and perform those tests nice that's super super interesting so when it comes to this uh, testing compliance I, I can see that happening, like you said, for the all these kind of products. Up until now, I didn't recommend it. I probably still don't. I don't know. Then maybe I'll ask you about that. But sourcing food or health products from from China. Yeah. So we've worked with the food company before, and we've done some of their functional testing. So we actually tested. Uh, an example of this is we tested to make sure that one of their items didn't have too much oil on their products. So we, we actually took a video of us going into the factory, putting their product on a piece of parchment paper, putting it into an oven, and then letting it sit there for the 20 minutes it was supposed to bake, took it out and took a picture of the grease rings that were left on the, uh, the actual parchment paper to show, you know, is this an acceptable amount of oil that's been you know, from a residue perspective or not. So that's mm -hmm. really something that we could do. But from a sourcing perspective on the quality, yeah, you kind of get what you pay for over there, right? And so if you're going to go for, you know, lower cost, lower budget items, they might be a, a viable op option for you. Um, if you're going for high quality, um, that's kind of risky, in my opinion. Okay, yeah. So when it comes to this compliance and testing that you guys do, if I required a some FDA certification or, uh, you know, uh, Canada Health or Health Canada, whatever it is, uh, you could verify that it meets those as well, or that's not part? We, we would contract out someone who's FDA certified to do that. So again, there's third-party testing that's more on that side of things, and we work with them to do that. We would be more on the design and functionality. So does, you know, if you were trying to, if you're going to take a bite of the, of the fish yourself, does is it rubbery like that kind of stuff is the stuff that we do those kind of tests are the tests that we do mm -hmm. um it's less on the compliance you know for uh you know fda approval yeah gotcha when it comes to products that are in our heads and we would want to produce those products 
thinking about electronic products, it always makes me personally think that they're it's harder, but it, could, it because it involves more than just designing and you know and three D uh, molding and rendering and all that stuff, right? There's electronics that are uh, have to be built in and work. Mm-hmm. That, is it a little bit more complicated, like I think it is, or am I overthinking it? No, it definitely is. Um, and from a compliance standpoint, there's also more tests that need to be done, like UL listing um, and making sure that you know nothing blows up on you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a process perspective, you know, it's just getting a different engineer involved. So it's an electrical engineer. And if you're trying to involve some software, maybe some software engineering. So from the process perspective, it's not much different. Um, from the time perspective of maybe creating it, it's in the, the skill labor that it's going to you know, require to make that, it's going to be a little more expensive. But, it, it, but the rest of it seem, is, is actually pretty straightforward. Okay. And I, I noticed that besides China, you also deal with Vietnam. So what are some of the pros and cons <clears throat> of manufacturing in both of them? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, from Vietnam, there's certain... It's actually really interesting what's going on right now. So because of the whole tariff scare, obviously there was a huge push to Vietnam. You know, companies like Adidas has moved a lot of their production over to Vietnam. Um, Vietnam is just a little bit slower in terms of everything. They're a little bit slower to communicate. They're slower on lead times. The lead time thing is, is mostly because they don't have a lot of the natural resources that somewhere like China does. And so they're importing pretty much everything that they have from a raw material standpoint. Now, the interesting part about this is that they get tax benefits because of that, as long as they're exporting everything that they're manufacturing uh, because they're a developing country. So they, they import a lot of their raw materials pretty much at cost because they get you know the tax benefit. They just pay for shipping. But then places like China also get a tax credit for everything that they manufacture over there as well. So they're pretty much not even having to pay the shipping costs. So now you're starting to see a large migration of Chinese factory owners starting to build land and starting to uh, or build factories on the land in, in Vietnam. So that's the mm-hmm. interesting thing that's happening right now. So what you're getting, you know, China versus Vietnam, this, the, the technology is better in, in China, the labor of, you know, the skilled labor is better in China. Vietnam, you know, obviously the labor is cheaper there. The labor is not as skilled there, but you might be getting some cost benefits. It really just depends on what you're trying to make. They're really good at apparel, a lot of soft goods. Um, the hard goods, still better, I would say, in, in the place, you know, like China. Yeah, that's, that's okay. really what's going on. Yeah. So what if, you know, there's something that comes to mind, tell you a, a small little story so you, I can explain it. I got a product one source in China. Uh, and I changed it, right? The product already exists. I didn't create it, but I changed it to make it very unique. Now, what happened was uh, the product took off and it started selling more than all of us expected, right? And mm-hmm. the manufacturer that had changed that for me got to a point where he cannot produce anymore so basically they couldn't scale up their operation anymore to fulfill all my need of from that special product mm-hmm. now is there a risk of let's say i tell you hey, zach i want to create a product and then it takes off and it is a huge success 
and that manufacturer cannot fulfill all, I don't know, uh, 10,000 units a day that I need? There's always that risk if you outgrow your factory, right? But that's part of the due diligence that someone, you know, whether it's someone like me or someone like you should be doing when you, when you start to start that process of finding a factory. You always need to find out what their capacity is and what, what the risk factors are if something blow, you know, takes off like you're talking about. And so it's always good from my perspective to have a backup plan. And when that backup plan needs to come into play, you start to source from multiple factories to make sure that you have, you know, plan A and plan B set aside for if it does scale beyond the capacity, you can find another reputable factory that can make your product on a, on a whim. Um, and then there's also the step of, you know, once you outgrow your factory completely, you're going to need to be set up to have another factory that can handle even more capacity. And so you just always want to have options when it comes to overseas manufacturing. And that's part of what we can help, you know, what Gamba helps set up. Okay. And that situation, if it is a particular product like uh, that nobody else has that I, I invented, right? Factory number two is going to need to have their own molds and uh, start the process all over again. Yeah, potentially. Um, you could always transfer your molds if it's you're moving to a larger factory. You know, that, that process yeah, yeah. is pretty straightforward. But if you're trying to create something new, yeah, I mean, you just have to think about what is the, what's the opportunity cost of not creating those molds versus selling more product. Very good. So now looking at, uh, at your website here at Gemba, I see that uh, other services that you provide are importing customs duties, freight forwarding, Payment facil facilitation to manufacturers. What is this one? Mm. Yeah, so you know, some of our customers have a have some issues, you know, getting uh, their payments over to factories. It's actually a pretty common issue. Um, so we can help facilitate the payments. You know, kind of act as like a bank, for example, oh, okay, and gotcha. help you. You know, help you get all your transactions and purchase orders in line, so that you don't get behind and the factories and yelling at you. Uh, and, and holding up your your purchase orders and getting on either the the plane or the the ocean freight. Oh, okay, so it's like, for example, when I go to the bank with uh, with just a piece of paper that I printed, and I say I want to transfer money to this company in China, and they always ask me what it's for, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm just buying baby blankets, right? <laughs> right. So yeah, I, when it gets to certain. Um, certain amounts and uh, I don't know if it works for everybody the same because I'm in Canada, but I pay my manufacturers in US dollars, right? So mm -hmm. uh, when it gets to certain amounts, it has to be the bank manager that comes over and approves my transfers and all that. So that's right. kind of what you're doing there, right? Yeah, that and, you know, again, like if there's a certain amount that we can help facilitate, um, we can give you terms and facilitate those payments for you but we'd have to have a, a long-standing relationship with you to make sure that you know you're making good on your payments to us <laughs> yep very good so then importing freight forwarding uh, and taking care of customs i guess this is all the normal stuff right yep so you know if there's a product that you're again is new or you haven't imported before and you want to do some analysis on what the tariff situation is like for the country that you're importing into we can handle that um freight forwarding you know we have our logistics manager who's been in the business for 25 years so he gets really good rates across the board as well he's got great connections uh throughout 
you know, ocean freight as well as local 3PLs to get it to your warehouse. And then our team overseas books all the freight forwarding. And we've had, you know, again, a decade of worth of experience doing that. So uh, we have everything covered from a logistics standpoint, from point to point. Okay. So, Zach, let's say the number one audience listening to us right now are Amazon private label sellers. What What's like the number one thing you have to help them? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I think the number one thing we can help is getting products to market really fast. And so if you want to create or iterate a product, we can get something to market in like three to six months. Um, just depends on the, on the, you know, severity or the intensity of the design. Yeah. I think if you're looking to iterate really fast, if you're, if you're doing an analysis on some trends and see, Hey, this is this is a hot product right now, and I want to iterate, or I want to make something that's really similar to this, and it you know it doesn't exist. You can work with our team to get this done, you know, the designs done really quickly, and turn it over to our team in China to get it bid out really quickly and get you you know sampling within within about a month. And once that you know if the molds are thirty to sixty days, that's the that gets you more in the six month range for full production. But if there's no molds needed, you're in the three month range. Very good. And where you are, uh, you are in Austin, Texas right now, right? Correct. So we could do the same thing if needed. Gemba would also provide us uh, U.S. manufacturers? Uh, we could. We haven't worked with them in the past yet, but we definitely have some connections over here that can start facilitating that. We have Mexico, we have Vietnam, uh, India, China, so most of the other you know larger players around the world outside of the U.S. Mm -hmm. So India right now is it still uh, mostly mostly just clothing and stuff like that? Yeah, mostly uh, clothing and apparel. Very good. So besides. Uh, Gemba.com, which actually we got to uh, mention it, how this is spelled is G-E-M-B-A-H.com. For those of you that are listening, you can check it out there. Besides Gemba.com, where else can our listeners find you? Um, well, you can find my LinkedIn, uh, you know, just Zach Leonard, Z-A-C-K-L-E-O-N-A-R-D. Um, you know, we've been up and running for a couple of years, so we're, we're bolstering up the rest of our, our uh, social and, and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gemba would be the best place to do it. Or if you want to, you know, direct message me on LinkedIn or, or email info at Gemba.com, we'd be happy to you know, talk to you guys and see how we can help. Cool. And to, to get started, it's everything pretty straightforward. Do you need any kind of uh, information from us? Yeah, I think just the basics are, you know, what you're trying to manufacture, your price target, and if you have designs uh, and your quantity. And if you don't have designs, we can help get you up and running with that. Uh, if you have designs, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to sign an NDA so that everything is, uh, you know, kept between us from a confidentiality standpoint. So we're not, you know, you can guarantee that what we do is kept between us and then we can start the ball rolling and, and start making some products for you. Very good. Zach, before I let you go, I want to ask you one thing that maybe I guess is not related to Gemba, but I just want to hear your personal opinion. When when creating these products that don't exist, should the patent be created before or should you wait a bit to see if the product has any kind of success? What do you think? 
That's a great question. It's kind of the chicken and the egg scenario, right? Um, I think it really just depends on your calculated, you know, risk tolerance. If you think that this product is going to be a home run, there's no reason not to get a patent. If you want to, if you think this is just another product that can help bolster your, your, uh, inventory or help bolster what you have from a product, you know, standpoint and just trying to diversify a little bit, maybe you should mm-hmm. hold off and wait and see. But if, you know, it, if this is, if you're a smaller business and this is your only product, I would definitely say you should patent it because the chances of someone ripping it off is higher versus if it's, you know, a, a part of your wide variety or wide array of products, you know, it doesn't matter as much to you. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I see it. No, that, that makes perfect sense. I guess it depends on how strongly you believe in the product. Just get that, get that patent. And well, and to be honest, if you don't believe in your product, like why create what are you, it? Anyway? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, it's, there's, there's a lot of capital investment that goes into product creation, a lot of capital investment goes into making sure that it's protected. And so you just got to make sure you have all those things in line. And you're doing it at the right time, right? So if you're going to consistently be iterating on this product, you're probably not going to want to get it patented. But if you're going to, if you know that this is the final design and it's ready to go to production, then you can, then you definitely should get it patented, right? You don't want to be spending money and wasting time on a patent if you can consistently change it. Very good. Zach, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Quinn. I was excited to be on the show and I look forward to, uh, Hopefully coming back on. No problem. Everybody uh, that's listening, you you can go and check out gameby.com. And this is Zach Leonard. Thank you, Zach. Thank you.